Marini's Media. Crack open the cod liver oil. The boots are back on. We're on non-contract terms. It's good enough for Alex Ravel. It's good enough for us. This is the Totally Football League show. I'm Caroline Barker, back in 2020 with the real heroes. Stevenage coach Alex Ravel coming out of retirement. Actually, you thought I was going to say you're the real heroes, which clearly you are. But he's come out of retirement to sign non-contract terms. Always ready to take one for the team. Super Sammy Parkins here. Morning. Morning. Never really retired, did he? Adrian Spreadsheet Clark. Hello, good to be back. And no Joe, so Abby is back in the game. Woohoo, with the odds a bit later. On the subject of coming out of retirement, we had a good chat. And I enjoyed it about boots and how you stop them smelling. And your top tip for stopping football boots smelling is Sam Parkin? I didn't really have one, but oh. stick him on the balcony, stick yeah. him in the garden, maybe. Don't wear them in the first place. Just, yeah, air them. It's as simple as that. Now, the good part of the chat, because clearly it wasn't that, <laughs> uh, was how many boots, pairs of boots did you used to buy in a season? Oh, copious amounts. I was so superstitious. Like, a couple of bad games, I blamed my tools rather than blaming... <laughs> the player within um so yeah towards the end lots of boots when I wasn't scoring but probably I'd say five or six pairs minimum a season please tell me they were the classic black boots I did have a little renaissance at Swindon in my early 20s when I went back to Copas and World Cups and just hit the ground running and I persevered for about 18 months until I started getting quite good and quite a lot of interest in me. And then I changed and started wearing the snazzy night ones. Nah, you're, you're always traditional black boots, weren't you? Me, I was I was a World Cups and Copas man, occasionally a Puma King. Uh, but I was also seduced in the National League when I was playing for Stevenage by the Predator Revolution. And I have to say, when the first come out, you know, with the jaggedy, yeah. jaggedy top, and it worked for me. Started scoring a load of long range goals. So, so yeah, Predators uh, did the business for me. Lovely but, yeah. boots, but what size were you? Eight. Yeah, I thought always looked good on like nice, creative midfield players and wingers. For me, too clumpy, always. <laughs> Is there a correlation between the size of your boot and your foot and, and how good you are at football? <laughs> <laughs> I do think, well, it was always said that. For example, the boots I've already mentioned, the streamline Ronaldo-style boots were always worn by centre-forwards or wingers. You couldn't really get away with it if you're a full-back or a, a centre-half. Best players. Most of the best players have smaller feet. Not all, but, but small feet are good in football. Because you know the level of my chat, the uh, <laughs> Women's World Cup, we had a good long chat. You know when um, about the keepers coming off the line and the, and the changes and, and whether you'd be able to see it through VAR and the like, about specific penalty goalkeeper boots so they'd just be slightly thicker at the back so that they were no. always just on the line well so didn't goalkeepers were always a shambles anyway <laughs> didn't matter what goalkeepers wore they didn't care what they looked like so they probably would have been well up for that wearing all changed some, now wearing some peculiar um, purpose built heel I'm sure they'd have been all for that uh, if you thought that was grade A chat you're wrong um, but we've got more on the way coming up in this week's show we've got exclusive interviews with Swansea Steve Cooper and Grimsby's Ian Holloway sings that should be Ollie sings show tunes because he does one in particular that's coming up on the show a little word then on some of the transfers that might have caught your eye we are just a, a wee sniff talking smelly boots into <laughs> the transfer window any so far that you've gone oh Adrian. A few. I'd probably pick out the the players that have come in from non-league so far. 
Peterborough spending £500,000 on, on a Barnet player really caught my eye. I know there are traditionally a lot of links there between the two clubs with, with Barry Fry, but but that's an awful lot of money. Can um, it can go up to a million as well, can't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, by all accounts, he's, he, he's a very good player, central midfielder, technical, tall, good passer of the ball, came through the Chelsea Academy like the man to my left. So so he's obviously got good good pedigree but it's a lot of money to, to speculate on, on a guy from, from non-league and he's not the only one I watched one last night at Walsall a Rico Hackett Fairchild coming from Bromley to Portsmouth he looked he looked pretty sharp he, he didn't have a blinder but he, he looked tidy really pleased for him actually because rejected by Charlton effectively mm. goes into non-league with Bromley it only takes him Less than a season, and he's back uh, back with the big boys. So, so well done to him. And there's a couple of non-league players, aren't they? Uh, Fall, Mohamedou Fall from Infield to Bolton, and Josh March, Limington to Forest Green. These two guys have practically scored a goal a game at the level they've been at. Yeah. So it'll be fascinating to see if they can replicate it in the EFL. All I'll say is it's, it's a heck of a jump. Fowl's so. been hyped up a, a, a lot, hasn't he? Mainly, well, not mainly because of his links to Joe Gomez being his cousin, but I think that he's been watched for a while too. So I'd love to see him do well. They're going on about him being the next Vardy. Vardy always gets brought up clearly <laughs> in these situations. What about for you, Sam? I don't want to spoil what's to come, but I suppose in terms of... A championship team needing a striker, I think Ryan Brewster into to Swansea is a good bit of business. They look a little bit one-paced. Baston's not in the form that he was early part of the season and, and Surridge returning to, to Bournemouth, they had to get a striker in and we're going to hear from Steve Cooper later who obviously knows the player very well so that looks like a smart bit of business. And it wouldn't be a transfer window if there wasn't a nod towards Lyle Taylor and whether he's going to stay yeah. or not at Charlton Athletic. Do yeah, well, I, go this time? I just hope, you know, it looks like he's going, considering the, the contract offer's been withdrawn. I hope it's a championship club with a real potential of getting in the Premier League this season. Uh, I'd be disappointed if he moves sideways, if you like. That said, he's 30 in March. Mm. He's got to look at this as being his probably last big opportunity to get a long-term contract on, on good money. So I hope Leeds, West Brom or the Brentford one comes back into play. But I just think maybe considering how well Ollie Watkins has done and the, the fact that they've brought another striker in already, Derfis Oglu, who I saw at the weekend do some really good things against Stoke, Thomas Frank may feel that it might upset the apple cart to bring a big hitter in like Lyle Taylor. I think it suits West Brom. I think, uh, yeah, you could, there's competition obviously there, but but they're a real top team. Don't have a standout striker. They, they've, they've all contributed in various ways. Robson Carnu, Austin... But but Lyle Taylor, I think he could do could do a job. They obviously they're prepping for his departure with um, Andre Green coming in on loan from, mm. from Villa. So so yeah, it looks like he's going to go. He, he deserves a move. Yeah, and we we heard the last time that he might have gone, but it's who they could bring in to replace him. But you're right, Andre Green coming in. There was positive news for Charlton this week. Those the East Street investment takeover completed. Elsewhere in the Championship, rumours of Birmingham suffering a second points deduction in two seasons abound. They've been charged with a breach of EFL financial regulations from last season. Birmingham deny the charge. On the pitch, Rooney has made his debut for Wayne Rooney's Derby County and Luton have released the best press statement of all time. The backstory is complicated, but it's about their new ground. Here's just a little taster. They say, so this is the Luton statement's just gone up. There comes a point where enough is enough. We could easily laugh off and dismiss Capital and Regional's latest press statement as yet another derisory attempt to continue an argument that they lost a long time ago. Like a drunk ejected from a pub, they continue slurring their random words 
but this needs to stop. The full statement is on the Luton website and it's well worth a read. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. None of these things are connected in they're all separate stories. We've seen Sean Harvey confirmation of the money that he's going to get on leaving um, the EFL, his, leaving his position. We've seen also this week uh, Bolton Wanderers, their chairman, saying they can, they can finally move on after the panel ruled that there's no further points deductions for them. We've had a couple of tweets on this about whether the where the EFL are. The, the thing that really stood out in all of this for me is the one line they say, the league say they will now consult clubs for changes to the rules on failing to fulfil fixtures and breaching regulations. How was all of this not in the rules already? I know no one's going to look and, and foresee that all this, the problems can happen with the clubs, Barry would happen, but but you could. You could see that this should be in the rules already. I know they're going to change things now, but they've got to be more organised in the way they go about stuff and other leagues do have these statements in the rules. Everyone knows where they are. They know the rules, the regs, as, as they head into those leagues. Yeah, and we're sitting here when it's still uh, clubs transpiring, uh, sorry, clubs going into real financial yeah. trouble still. You know, with Macclesfield, there's still stuff coming out daily, really, on that front. Um, and we've got to read about Sean Harvey getting ridiculous sum of money after... On the face of it, it doesn't look like doing a particularly good job. So <laughs> it's very difficult, I think, for, for everyone who's connected with the likes of Berry, even maybe Charlton and, and, and other clubs at higher levels who have been dealt a really bad hand in the last couple of seasons. And there's something wrong, definitely, with the system if big clubs are having to sell their stadiums to random companies owned by their ownership. It's not sustainable, just, that. No, I mean, it's ridiculous. No. So, so something quite radical has got to change and, and look, if, if clubs can't afford to pay pay the wages then they're going to have to cut their cloth aren't they and either tell tell championship players this is this is as far as we can go and, and, and that's the end of it or or, or in what I think should be the future and that's trimming down their squads got a lot of professional players all of these clubs mm. and a lot of hardly any of them end up being first team regulars I think they need to, to have smaller playing staffs. It's about what your expectations are. It's whether you want to put in salary caps, financial regulations, how much exposure you want. Why not just show or get everyone to show full, transparent details of their accounts? But then is there always going to be someone that's going to hide something or something's going to be hidden away? Until everyone holds their hands up and says, we want full transparency, none of this is going to change. Back on the pitch, Wayne... Rooney. Montages, interviews, special programmes. Uh, you went to watch Wayne Rooney's Derby County. Yeah, it was Wazamania. Was it better uh, than Frank Lampard's <laughs> Derby County? It was good. The atmosphere was, I've got to say, they cranked up the atmosphere and it was, the stadium was more full than it had been on, on my last visit. And it took us slightly by surprise the role he had, which was almost like a unique role because he was effectively playing as the advanced midfielder, but he wasn't very advanced. So he he, he was like a deep-lying number 10, if that makes sense at all. But what, what stood out for me, and you might not have seen it on TV for those people that watched it, but I sort of kept my eye on him. And he was so efficient with his movement. And I think this is something you've got to do when you get older. He he basically saved his energy for the right 
for the right moments. He didn't go chasing off here, there, and everywhere like like the old Wayne Rooney did. He, he was really efficient with his with his movement, and his right foot is is, is still a wand. I mean, the, the set pieces are going to make a difference. Yeah, the first for sure. Goal. Yeah, it was a wonderful ball in. I don't think he needs to be taking them from the halfway line, mind you. They were getting him on every single set piece. He wasn't on the corners though, was he? No, change? and on the corners, and I pointed this out in the commentary that I was doing, on the corners, he was like back. He was about 40 yards from goal. I think if he's not on the corners, then I would have him on the corners if, if he's so good at set plays. But but I would have him certainly on the edge of the box, if not in the box, because we all know that he's a he's a great finisher, probably the best best they've got at the club. So no, it was, it was a really good debut. Well, it, it was not a spectacular debut, but it was a good debut. It didn't do hardly anything wrong. And I, I haven't seen him. I, th- I think he will will improve them, providing he um, he doesn't try and overdo it because he's not the player that we remember. Mm. He's a guy that will not move around that much, but can spray it for fun. Good. I was just looking at Sam then for a comment, but his eyes said it all <laughs> that you enjoyed it. I don't know whether um, your eyes did say that. Yeah, I just a bit. Of- bit sick of it already to be honest all right we're done let's move on Uh, let's look ahead then to the weekend first up cardiff swansea tiny game so a tiny name to look ahead to it swansea boss steve cooper i bet i bet you've been busy a bit after ryan brewster comes in how long was that courtship it felt like a proper courtship in trying to get him uh yeah i mean obviously ryan's a player that i i know well from my, my time at the fa with the national teams and um you know, it's it can be an important factor of these young players' development now them going on on loans. You know, we we knew at some stage that the, the possibility of Rain going out on loan might happen, and it's it's one that we sort of monitored from certainly from when I came came in at Swansea. You know, we spoke to Liverpool at length in the summer, and they didn't think it was the right time for him to go out then. But obviously, it is now, and um, we're just really happy that we've we're able to get over the line, and you know, and we can look forward. And he's spoken a lot about the the belief you gave him at the Under-17 World Cup. Does he need after... Mm. I mean, he had that horrendous injury, didn't he? And he, he's now looking to get back in to obviously playing in the mm. Premier League. Did, did he need a bit of that now, a bit of arm holding? Well, I think I think all players need that, Caroline. I think that's the... Um, you know, that's certainly the, the culture we're, we're trying to create here at Swansea is we, we, we want the players to know how good they can be and for them to really believe in themselves and... Um, I think Ryan will, will be being a little different. I think what's what's important with Ryan coming in is that he's a really good lad, but he needs to realise that you know he's he's joining a, a very proud club, mm. you know, a group of players that have, you know, uh, have already played a load of games and have gone through some ups and downs this season, and and he's joining the, our journey, if you like, and he, he needs to become part of that. But I'm very conscious that any players that we we bring in here, and you know, we ain't going to do much business, uh, are not just the right sort of profile of player that we need but the right character as well because um, it is a bit of a unique club down, you know, down here we're a little bit out of the way um, but you know it's it's a proud city and the football club has a, has a massive impact on, on the people and you know it's, it's really important that they see a team that, that you know try and play in the way that we want Swansea to play but also you know work hard so they can feel connected to that and I think Rian, Rian will, will add to that Where does Andre Ayew sit in all of that as, as part of that conversation? In terms of what the club's trying, how we're trying to play and yeah, what we're trying to do. The proud. Yeah, right. I know the club have obviously said that his Instagram account was hacked, but there has been talk about him leaving the club. I think, yeah, there was a lot of talk in, in the summer. And, you know, I've, I've sort of uh, work off the basis as you, you treat people as you find them. 
And um, Andre has been brilliant both on and off the pitch, you know, from, from day one. He, he came in a little bit late after the um, African Cup of Nations, obviously being the captain of, of his national team. And from that day, all, all he's done is, is add value and, you know, his work rate is second to none. You know, he's, he's more of an experienced player now, so he's a, you know, he's a real leader around the group. And, and obviously, he's, he's delivering on the pitch as well. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's our top goal scorer. He's our, our biggest goal threat. And he really is sort of... Um, leading the way in so many ways so you know you've got to take people as you find them and and I cannot speak highly enough of him and real epitomizes what we want to be here is you know play play nice sort of attractive football but equally working as hard as we can when we haven't got the ball or when you know difficult times and need place to stand up and be counted and he certainly you know he's done that and um but he'll be the first to say that you know he's, he's just one of a team we're, we're very much about the collective here and we're pleased to have him sort of leading the way for us with, with one or two others. So he stays then at, at the club. Any that you think will leave? Well, well there's no uh, no interest to report, if you like. Um, you know, it's it's not a secret that, you know, we have sold players in the past for, you know, we, we lost some big players in the summer, a couple before I came and a couple after with Bernie and Jordan Ayew and things like that but um, but there's no news if you like to, to report we know we have some good players and that can play at a higher level and will be of interest to to people who may be looking for that certain player but um, but no I mean I hope not the players that we, we want to keep here will stay at least till the summer and you know but at the same time if, if something does come up that we think might be right then you know like every other club at this time of year we'll be looking at the, the small matter then of Cardiff this weekend, been there, done that, got the win against your name already, of course. But what, what have you learned about yourself as a manager between that? That when, when was that back in October and now? Mm. Around the Cardiff game. Uh, yeah, but just you yeah. as a manager, because yeah. you started no, so well, yeah. didn't you? And and I wonder yeah, if yeah. maybe that that kind of not was a, a false hope given at the start, but to have that really great start and then mm. to have the little dip and, and what you learn as a manager during that period. Well, I think I knew coming into this this role, I promised myself I would would and will stick to to what I believe in. I just wanted to be committed to myself first and foremost to go, you know, do this in the way that you believe is right, um, even through the difficult times. And you know, if difficult times is losing a couple of games on the bounce or maybe not playing to the level that you you want to be playing at, um, I think that's a real test of a philosophy and a, and a real test of it, how much you really believe in it. And, and that's what I'm, you know, that's what I've, like I said, committed to myself, and and hopefully that will be transferred to the to the players as well. Because if you don't fundamentally believe in what you do, mm. then I believe that the players and supporters and the support staff see through that. And I really do believe in in, in our work. You know, I've um, okay, I'm fairly new to first team environment, but I've been coaching professionally for 20 years, so I've not walked into this completely blind. I've walked into it because I wanted to, but I made sure I was as ready as I could be. And um, there are some things that you, you know, you, you are, you're not quite ready for until you um, experience them. But, but fundamentally, I keep saying to myself through, through, you know, really good moments and, and not so good moments that, you know, do it the way you said you were going to do it. And so far, I believe I've done that and and I will do until however long this lasts, you know? So, because I think once you do that, I think you just, you sleep better at night and you know, you've done it in the way that you've, you planned to. And, um, you know, what are we now? Over halfway in the season, you know, we're, we're, we're six in the league. Not that that counts for anything at this moment in time. And um, 
I feel like generally we are making progress, but still with a long way to go. And that's the exciting bit for me. I know I've got to hang up on you. Uh, you shouldn't be such a good talker. But, but that mm. that end of the season, when we hopefully talk to you again, will we be talking to a, a side in the Premier League? As I said, one one game at a time. <laughs> <laughs> don't look don't look too far. I've got to have ahead a second and, nibble. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You normally do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, but no, like honestly, you know this this. I quickly learned in this league that. Um, you have to take it one step at a time because there, there is no easy game. You know, you can play teams the bottom of the league or at the top of the league and you get the same test for different reasons. And um, we just need to make sure we're focused on ourselves and, and try and be the best we can be if, when, when game days arrive. Steve Cooper on the Totally Football League show. Cardiff, Swansea then. <sighs> Tasty. Tidy, tidy and tasty. I think we, we forgot to preview this last time, so we probably owe it to the, the Welsh listeners of the pod. Yeah, really bad, weren't they, Cardiff in this fixture? It was almost yeah. the, the end of Neil Warnock going down at the, the Liberty. I think Ben Wilmot got the, the goal, a header. And, and Swansea, yeah, I was there against Charlton. They didn't have to be at their best because the Charlton are, are so decimated by injuries. So many young players in the Charlton side and... It was a kind of nervy 1-0 victory for, for Swansea, who seem to lack quite a lot of confidence going forward at the moment. They'll hope that this can be reinvigorated by Brewster coming in. Jordan, uh, Andre Ayew, sorry, looks like a class apart mm. this season. Very confident mood. Yeah, I think he's the, the key, really, to, to, to Swansea, maybe, in this game, if he can continue at the level he's been at. But I said it before, a bit of a lack of pace in the, in the Swansea side. And strange, considering the amount of wingers they've got in the squad, but they've got no one with real scintillating pace. So maybe something that Steve Cooper can look at as well later on in the window. Although, speaking to the guys at BBC Wales, there doesn't seem to be much uh, available in the way of funds. So... I can't see Swansea maintaining it at the moment, having seen the kind of mindset of the players and the, the lack of confidence that I felt around the liberty in terms of going and scoring goals. Interesting times at, at Cardiff, I'd say. Look at their squad, and I don't know if this has been mentioned on the pod this season or not, but it just struck me they've got he's got a lot of players to choose from. Okay, Neil Harris, he's got a lot of players of experience. So I had a look through the the, the twenty six players that have been used by Cardiff this season. The youngest of the lot is Gavin White, who's 23. Every squad needs younger players. I don't know if you agree with me, Sam. I just feel that having so many players, you know, allegedly in their prime, I guess, between 20, 24 and, and 30, is actually quite unhealthy because a lot, a lot of them, when they're out of the side, are going to be very, very unhappy about being out of the side in their, in their mid-20s. I, I think, think um, Sheffield Wednesday have played two players this season under 23 as well yeah. one of them's left the club Jordan Thornley who's gone to Blackpool yeah, yeah. It, I, I just feel that young players bring a different energy to the mm. dressing room and, and and obviously athleticism and enthusiasm as well and if I'm in Neil Harris's shoes I'm looking to redress the balance this month and maybe streamline the the squad that he's got and, and get rid of some of these older guys and, and bring in youth so that means that this is the next few weeks are really important. You know, which players will catch his eye enough to to stick around at the club? I'm with you on on Cardiff. I think maybe the next two windows they need wholesale changes of that squad. I did feel before Neil Harris was given uh, the the role that maybe it was an opportunity to just rip it up and go for a completely different style of coach. Um, did, did it feel a bit like Stoke 
yeah, you know the the whole sort of Nathan Jones Stokes situation. I, I don't know about the players, that whole whether they're playing for you or not. It's just whether you're right. How how can you get them all out? Not all out of the club, I, but how can you make those wholesale changes? You, you don't want to do them a disservice because they did brilliantly to get out of the championship that season under Warnock. But you just feel. Uh, having achieved that and, and quite a number of the same players being in that squad I don't think Lightning was going to strike twice I think there's and they're not bad players no they're not awful players but I, I go back to the point about youngsters youngsters are also hungry they're probably at their hungriest and most fearless before the age of 23 yet they've got none none in the squad so so I just think there's too many players probably coasting would you agree there? and he said as much after the, the QPR game you, you would expect him to shoulder some of the blame as the manager which he did he took some of the responsibility but he also said that some of these players I'm, I'm probably misquoting him here but some of these players have maybe been here too long so it's something that he'll look at in the next few weeks and certainly in the summer we'll get the odds from Abby at the end of all of this but where do we feel this one's going then? Uh, no one's ever done the double, have they? No. In, in this, which is just mad, really. So, so I can't back Swansea. I, I think I go for a draw. Yeah, one apiece. Sit on the fence. I'll go two-two, but I think he's right. Brentford uh, QPR. Brentford essentially that that little bit of consistency. We were saying that whether they can make the playoffs or not. QPR has their their campaign been given a little bit of a boost of late. Well, Brentford can make the playoffs, certainly. I don't yeah. think Brentford will have given up hope of getting in the, the top two. No. Obviously, we'll, we'll wait and see if they do decide to bring in another striker. Dervis Oglu, the, the player that scored a lot of goals in the, the Dutch second tier and scored a few for Sparta Rotterdam, he's obviously with the group now and, and made his debut against Stoke at the weekend. He did OK. I'm not convinced on that display that he's going to be an able deputy for, for Ollie Watkins but mm. certainly showed flashes it's defensively where they're just so improved this year now the the, the best defence outright after Leeds's recent collapse in a, in a couple of games well I say collapse uh, they can chip a few at Birmingham as well as that, that Cardiff draw Brentford last 15 minutes only conceded two goals in the uh, leagues and cup fixtures so far this season. And on Saturday against Stoke, in a much-changed lineup, Ethan Pinnock was still uh, at the heart of the defence, flanked by two more inexperienced players and, and still defended brilliantly throughout the piece. And that's what Thomas Frank was most pleased about when he spoke to us post-match about that improvement defensively. We, we know what they can do going forward. Josh De Silva in midfield is a player that I've earmarked to have a big 2020. I think he's a fantastic talent and he was... Uh, really influential coming off the bench and keeping mm. hold of the ball on Saturday when Stoke was starting to put Brentford under a little bit of pressure. He played as a striker, uh, just showing you that they are still a little bit short in that area. But yeah, I mean, Brentford coasted to victory at Loftus Road, 3-1. I think that probably flattered QPR on the night, early part of the season. Um, so they won 3-0 at Griffin Park last year in this fixture. It's difficult to see QPR getting anything, even I, though they've had the two brilliant results. So Brentford, the most undislodgeable as it were, from the, the I think, playoffs. Yeah. I, the goal difference is 20, the playoffs, yeah. tw- yeah. 21. And you look around them, Nottingham Forest, 9, Fulham, 10, Swansea City, 2. I'm only going, my dad always says, you know, I mean, extra point goal difference. To contradict myself a little bit, they're the one team, uh, you would say, certainly in the top three, and maybe outside of that as well, that are a little bit light in terms of the squad. Mm. Got some brilliant young players that have 
coming through the B team. Mm. We we know the way they do it. They 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 recruit brilliantly. But I think in terms of players of experience, that's the only thing that's going to make them falter. Yeah, I, I think me and you've been spending too much time together, Sam, because we haven't spoken about Josh De Silva. Not on the pod. Not anywhere. I was asked by uh, Talksport to, to name a pl- EFL player to watch in 2020. We did the same. No way. Yeah, you did yeah. the same. Yeah, I did it as well. We yeah. did, I mean, we what a beautiful how, bromance. How freaky is that? It's unbelievable. I, and it's a bit. I thought it was a yeah, a little bit obscure as well compared to some of the I people. Never, yeah. Some of the uh, Eze and Watkins. You know, they were wow. the obvious ones. So I wanted yeah. to be a little bit different, as did. Oh, just we made, yeah. that's made a bit freaky. Um, a, a guy. Which we one could... did they play out? I reckon. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Did <laughs> they play them both? I didn't listen either. Different days. <laughs> <laughs> right then, Abby. Cardiff, Swansea, Brentford, QPR. So let's start with the uh, Welsh Derby. That's on Sunday. Uh, the home team, that's Cardiff. You can get odds seven to five for them to win. Uh, the draw, as Clarkie and Parkey have gone for, is 23 to 10. And if you fancy Swansea, it's two to one. And over in West London, that's the early kickoff on Saturday. Home side, Brentford, odds on six to 10. The draw is 29 to 10. And if you fancy QPR, that's 24 to five. Not condens- condon- condensationing. Not condescending at all, but beautifully read, unlike that. Thank you, Abby. Uh, League One, you've got an act to follow. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30, new online customers only. Minimum £10 stake, win only. Minimum odds 1 to 2. Free bets paid as free £10 bets, 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. Into League One then, and the EFL fail in their appeal against a sanction against Bolton Wanderers. The club were docked five points, but it is suspended for 18 months for failing to fulfil fixtures against Doncaster and Brentford. The EFL said it was lenient, but an independent arbitration panel concluded the punishment was proportionate. It's more club ownership news as Sunderland up for sale after fans forced Stuart Donald to sell. We've got more on that on the website. Nick has written a piece on that, which is brilliant. Well worth a read. On the pitch, Doncaster beat Shrewsbury 2-0 on Tuesday night. And the day after, Sam said Ipswich shouldn't sack Lambert. They gave him a deal until 2025, which is not what we meant, Marcus Evans, unless... (laughs) It was. We kind of touched on on Bolton already. Uh, Loads, as I said, have have got in touch with that at the Totally Show. Mark says, the EFL being totally incompetent to different clubs getting different penalties and how off-field matters could decide relegation matters from the league. We talked about that, but all of us, I think... It's it's just a bit embarrassing, isn't it? Uh, To appeal against your... (laughs) The people that you appointed to, to, to dish out the penalties and then failing, it, it's just a mess. They've got to just get some some laws or rules in place so that it's not so murky. It does feel like they're just making it up as they go along and, and that's that's why clubs are so unhappy. And on Sunderland, friend of the show, David Priest said, today's statement is a really poor move from Donald. More evidence his commitment from the off was hollow. Seeing the word divisive used a lot to describe his actions, I'd say it's more cowardly to blame supporters for something he was planning to do anyway. That after a statement from Sunderland talking about uh, selling the club and moving on. Stuart Donald's sincere commitment on his arrival at Sunderland that I won't outstay my welcome. The board feels that it has no option but to sell the club. That process has now commenced, came the statement. Should we go on to the fixtures then? Peterborough at Gillingham then. Uh, Peterborough, what, sixth? In League One, Gillingham dropped down to, to 13th in the league. 
get worse than Steve Evans' derbies. I mean, you imagine. I mean, it's going to be a bit feisty, isn't it? And, and a bit of bad blood. I mean, Shy, is it, is it true that he got sacked? It was almost a year ago he got sacked by Peter Brent. Was it within hours that, that Ferguson arrived? I think it was fairly fairly quickly, wasn't yeah. it? I think the deal may have already been done. So that will have rankled, I think, with Evans, who, who lost the game earlier in the season um, against Peterborough at home. So, so you can be, you can bet your bottom dollar Gillingham are going to go to London Road and try and make this the ugliest football match you've ever seen in your life. I, I, it's what they do, really. They're good at it. And they're getting better and better at it, Gillingham. I have to say the, the percentage game has been pretty effective in, in, in recent weeks. They're top of the form table, so, so, they, so they can go into it for, you know, in, in fine fettle. 12 points from their last six, and, and in that run of half a dozen games, they've played Sunderland, Ipswich, Fleetwood and Portsmouth, four, four of the stronger sides in the division, and now it's Peterborough. So And matched up well against West Ham in the Cup. Ex- exactly. So uh, And in, away from home, talk about tight. They don't give anything away. Three goals in their last six away matches. So, so look, Peterborough are going to have to play well here and they're going to have to match the fight of Gillingham first and foremost it's an old cliche earning the right to play but they really are going to have to here graft it for 45 minutes and then hope that their their superior quality comes through because Gillingham won't give them anything in Peterborough's perspective this is a, a manager getting a little bit of criticism in, in the last few weeks I, I think some of the Bad results, certainly the the home reverse against Doncaster. I think it was it it it, weird, really. it really flattered the Doncaster. You know, having uh, watched a bit of the game and, and read up on it afterwards. So I don't think the results have maybe been as bad as the performances. Mm. That said, the the goals have really dried up, and we probably didn't anticipate saying this at any stage this season. I think it's five in the last seven games. Issa just won in his last eight. Madison not scored in six. Uh, Tony's not been as free scoring as he, he was in the early part of the season so that, that, that's a big problem I think defensively the clean sheets are up on last season but when they do concede <laughs> they can concede um, more than one so a little bit of a problem and just looking at this game uh, yesterday I remember a conversation I had with Adrian uh, a while ago when they were about to play Portsmouth and I felt maybe they would change the system coming up against Portsmouth. They actually did on the day and played um, more of a 3-5-2, a 3-4-3. And I think that's something that Darren Ferguson's shown that he can do and something that the fans are crying out for a little bit. The diamonds become a little bit predictable. Yeah. And playing against Gillingham, who also play a diamond, yeah. this is a great opportunity to maybe a show... A rough diamond. Yeah, a very rough <laughs> diamond. Rougher. A big diamond. <laughs> um, an opportunity to be a bit more flexible yeah, um, they've, I agree. they've yeah. got the wide players yeah. Butler certainly down the left hand side Ward on the right hand side gets Madison still as an advanced midfielder behind the front two certainly one to keep keep an eye on and, and maybe with the players um, we've already spoken about today Taylor coming in from Barnett and Reese Brown mm. coming in from Huddersfield. He's got more options in midfield mm. to maybe be a bit more flexible with the setup. Mm. At the Totally Show, for your thoughts, we'll get some of your questions at the end of the podcast today. And the company is Sam Parkin and Adrian Clark, as always. Oxford Rotherham, posh up against Gillingham. The odds are blah. Well, the odds. So Oxford Rotherham, home side, Oxford to win is 11 to 10. For the draw, it's 5 to 2. And if you fancy Rotherham, 23 to 10. As for Posh Jills, it is 11 to 10 for Peterborough to win. It's a 12 to 5 draw and 5 to 2 for Gillingham to get the win. Thank you. We have an exclusive interview with Ian Holloway up next. 
This is the Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker. Into League Two from Jolly to Ollie. Ian Holloway is in at Grimsby. We've got a word on him and with him, or at least 10 minutes of it, in just a minute. Ross Embleton has been named the permanent head coach at Leighton Orient, only taken till January 8th. But, but, plenty saying the structure's in there first and the right appointment. And there were eight fixtures at the weekend wins for Cheltenham, Macclesfield, Walsall, Plymouth and Grimsby. Right, those are your headlines, but now time for the headline act. On the line with Grimsby boss Ian Holloway. Hello, Caroline, how are you? I'm all right, fella. Have you got a few minutes for us now? Are you in the middle of something? No, I, I've just got a nice black coffee here. Oh, can I've got I have educate. one? Like, we, all we have is semi-skim milk. I've got to get some soya or i got to get some oat almond or some oat. They, they keep drinking this horrible cow's milk and I'm not having it. <laughs> oh, you sort them out. I'm on coconut. I, I quite like the coconut Yeah, lovely, milk. isn't it? Nice, nice in... Uh, have you tried hot chocolate with that? It's yeah. Have you considered no, this for your it. next podcast? What's that? Oh, yeah, no, my daughter's vegan, isn't she? And she yeah. had been for three, three or four years. So, luckily, I've I've not got any spots anymore. I'm changing my diet slightly, but I'm going to be pesca- pescatarian up here. i got it with all the fish around, am I? <laughs> fish. <laughs> That's one way to, to endear you to them. Not that you need endearing to them. Right. Um, well, I should start maybe talking about, about prattling on and, and how you're endeared to the fans. That tweet you put out with that postcard from Rob Got Me Going this morning um what, yeah. what was that explain a little bit about what that was about well i've i have never been made to feel so welcome my wife kim and i in any place on earth it's unreal they've been so fantastic i don't know if they thought it was real you know some of these rumors ian holloway might be, and it's like nah, no nah, he wouldn't want to come here why would he want to come here he got grandchildren he got this and well my wife summed it up it's another adventure and when, when we came here and we were on a pier having some fish and chips and we could hear the seagulls, it didn't have to remind us of 10 years ago, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, But when, when I researched about the club and the people and, and you know, the fans and the, how famous, the, it, it, it just rang some bells for me, you know. And, and obviously when you read up about things here, they, they've had to lost a, almost a whole industry, you know, it, with the world's biggest fish hunters you know and and you know that that's all died away so and they still love their club i wanted to bring a bit of positivity and i felt like it felt right and i loved the people the owner um the directors i couldn't tell you how great i think the setup is and he convinced me that he will get a new ground and i believe with the new rules you need a slightly bigger ground you need a, a good base and you know our catchment area I think we can, you know, when they went to Wembley a couple of years ago for a non-league final with my club, Bristol Rovers, they had like nearly 30,000 people there. So my idea was, come on, let's go and have a go. My lovely wife went, yeah, let's have a go. And and I've been, that's only eight days now. I've only trained twice. I can't tell you, I'm absolutely loving every minute of it. Still tickety-boo then? Uh, yeah, that's what I just said when I came in. I'm tickety boo. <laughs> I, I, I sang to one of the reporters the other day because I, I watched Mary Poppins over Christmas with my grandchildren, and it's such a brilliant film. I'm on about the first one. Don't quite like the second one so much. The oh, first we one. We might disagree on that. I'm all no, about Mary returning. Yeah, oh, I tell you what, I thought the first one was just unbelievable because there's some sublime messages in there. If you're, if you're, you know, we all have to work hard and we all want to care for our children but sometimes when you're in the bank worried about the owners 
and worried about your position, you don't take them to fly their kite, do you? So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm trying to encourage my children with their lovely offspring to make sure that they're the most important thing. Yes, you need to feed them, but you also need to feed them with love and attention. So we've left all of that to come here. And now I've got the biggest family in the world at the moment because I want them to all understand we're here because they're our family now. What, what song were you singing? It's not, Feed the Birds gets me every time, so tell me it wasn't that. Fee, no, no, yeah, that's with the tuppence. He didn't give it to the bank. There was a run on the bank. What I'm talking about is just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down <laughs> in the most delightful way. It's brilliant. I just love it. Oh, and I... the, those kids' faces, when she poured out the medicine, and it was a different colour for each of them, and then she clicked her fingers and snapped her heels together and... The bedroom tidied up itself. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> all them mums in the world and all them dads who get home from work, they are all got to do two jobs these days. Go, oh, God, hang on a minute. And it, you had a nanny who just went, there you go. Are you telling me you're the Mary Poppins of Grimsby? That's why I hope the wind's changed and let's see what happens. <laughs> Love it. Can I, uh, just to, to reel you back a little bit, uh, using a fish analogy, did Bristol Rovers, was that ever on the radar, you going back there? Did they contact you? Nope. Are you upset that they didn't? Do you think they nope. should have done? Not at all. Nope. That wouldn't be a new adventure. I've been there. I've seen it. I've done it, you know, and this is a new adventure. Those that were on that journey with you before, though, QPR, Bristol Rovers, you mentioned a couple of the players have, have been on the phone, get the band back together. Uh, who, who's been on the phone? Who could we let's see? Jason Punchin, maybe? Alex Baptiste? Who's, who's likely to come no, to Grimsby? No, not him, no. no I'm, I'm definitely getting one, and I, I don't know if he's out there yet, but he should be signing tomorrow morning, who I've had before. He was one of the younger ones at the time who, who was totally frustrated with me and, and the situation because he was desperate to play. And... Um, I kept picking everybody else and I kept digging him out for moaning. <laughs> All right. And I called him wild summer and I'm, and you'll know tomorrow when you see who it is, but he was a massive part of what we did and his enthusiasm. And I'm just trying to get him back. He's just had a, got a four month old daughter. He's absolutely hundreds and hundreds of miles away from that. And he doesn't want to be that in his life. So I'm trying to make his family's life better. And, um, and typical me, I've got him till the end of the season. And um, and he'll have to prove to me again because I haven't seen him play. But it's his personality that I'm bringing. I want us to believe. I want us to be fresh. I want hungry, hungry people who who, who need to run, not want to run. Do you know what I mean? It's a big yeah. difference. You get that back then, don't you? Because if we look at uh, going away to Orient this weekend, they're giving you, I think they're giving you an extra 400 tickets for your fans just because of the number that, that you've taken. How? I think we're taking 2,000, that's what I've heard, oh, I don't know. I, incredible. I've never been, I, I swear to you, last weekend moved me so much because the, they're so honest and so hardworking. They have, have had no luck over the last sort of 12 weeks. They got three draws and they got beat, no wins, you know, and it was so, so soul-destroying. Yet in, in four days, I watched the first game and then I took one session. In four days, they realised they can win even with only 10 men. And that's huge. When you see the glint in their eye, that hang on a minute, we are... Because they have been extremely unlucky, in my opinion. So, and on, honestly, that the word luck is a bit... With me, it don't fall... If you work hard, the luckier you get. You know, you really, you really have to work hard. So, 
And that uh, that doesn't matter whether you're the best player in the world or the worst player in the world, because the best, best, best players in the world worked hard as well as being brilliant, because they were team people. Too true. You know? I, I'm probably going to get it in the neck shortly for, for letting you go. But where where does this team, where does your your team, Ian Holloway, manager of Grimsby, yeah. where does your team end up at the end of this season? What's what's the target? That, that's not that's not what I'm talking about in the moment. You know, I, I want to look at ten games away. I'm not even looking at anything other than who we've got next. Yeah. What are their strengths? What are we doing? Who I can bring in to help us? Um, who I can I watch the. We won one nil again yesterday against uh, against. Uh, oh, you were down Rotherham. with the reserves. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, Rotherham. Yeah, so I saw some of the lads play that I haven't seen yet, and I, that's three one nils. That's not me, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I can My hear you back here, though. I, yeah, I, I, I know. I was yeah, watching it was you in the stands. Yeah, brilliant. I got people to. I got people to affect. I got, and every day I got people to try and try and leave a mark on, and and that's what I almost feel myself like I'm a teacher. And I've had no one to teach, you know. I've, and it, and it's my wife bought me a pair of pants at Christmas, the first present I opened, right? And it was only a joke, she said, but it's Mr. Grumpy written all over them. And I swear to you, I thought, what sort of present is that, right? Honestly. And then she bought me some pajamas, and it was Brussels sprouts. I've got and those. It was, yeah, and it was the farting one, you know, because I'm a vegan and it's sort of changed everything, you know, so don't be downwind of me, that's all I could say. And then I thought, am I really, is that what I am now? A grumpy, flatulating old bugger? Well, that ain't me, I'm not even old yet, you know? So i got to change my life around, Caroline, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'm going to go out and buy you those those pants that disguise no, the smell. Anymore. No, I don't it's the ones that disguise the smell, have you not seen those? Oh, those pants, yeah. No, it don't smell. It's just like, whoomph, I could fill up some hot air balloons in one go, I reckon. <laughs> I'm going to leave you to your hot air. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've had enough of that in me for years. I Say nothing. Say nothing. You are an absolute gorgeous delight. Go enjoy every moment. I know you will. And um, just thank you so much for, for coming on. And we'll keep praising you. Keep enjoying it. And Well, we'll you never know what's possible. Human beings don't know what's possible. They need other people to encourage them and love them and make them believe in themselves. That's what I feel. Too right. Too right. Ian Holloway talking about fish hunters, uh, new ground hopes at, at Grimsby, the subliminal or stroke sublime messages of Mary Poppins, etc. Uh, and also saying that he is not a grumpy, flatulating old bugger um, which is my personal favourite and also me recommending some flatulence pants to him never thought I'd do he does that well they go to Lake Norrent this weekend um, they're taking 2,000 as he, he was saying got an extra 400 tickets for that one opened up by, by Orient as well he does all of that well and he's got them right yeah. behind him instantly he's a, he is a, he's a great character and he does galvanise people and he understands people and footballers of all different ages. I think that's one of his key key qualities. I don't know what he's like as a coach. Never obviously worked with him, um, but 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 as a motivator and organizer and and someone that can just get a tune out of people, press the right buttons. I think he's really really smart. Can he magic up goals though? I mean, when you study Grimsby, and I've I've looked at their record, they've not scored more than one goal since my birthday. Now, do you know when my birthday was? 28th of September. <laughs> I've scored more than one goal in a game in the league since then. That that is bad. That is seriously bad. So 
So um, there's a, a lot of pressure on on them to defend well as a team at the moment. So he, he's got to he's got to pull a striker out of the hat from somewhere, hasn't he? Yeah, not a conversation we probably thought we'd be having because they looked pretty well stocked mm. up top. But Hanson, Green, Ogbu, mm. that was the trio, wasn't it? At the start of the season when we actually felt they may be able to finish top half potentially, mm. and I think there was talk of maybe even a playoff mm. push at one stage. So yeah, I mean. I've spent quite a lot of time with with, with Ollie and mm. it, it looks like I'm very surprised he went there. I'm not going to lie that I wasn't, considering his previous job was, you know, in in football was at QPR. So I was surprised he decided that True, was the it? right yeah. club for him. But now that the dust settled and you look at it, having played up at Grimsby, it's, it is a place that you could generate a lot of interest in the football club. Get people through the gates a successful team would mean a very atmospheric stadium and he's the perfect guy to get it going if he's fully invested which he he looks to be financially as well sticking a hundred grand in yeah and listen I, I don't know anything but maybe Ollie's gone for some other jobs uh, higher up and he's not been maybe given the jobs or presented the opportunity to be seen again and he's just felt at this stage of his career it's an opportunity to do something a little bit different and have a bit more of a say that's what it looks to me from yeah the I don't think you'd mind me saying that when I was on the Quest show last it was mid-December it was the day Graham Coughlin left Bristol Rovers and Colin was 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 teasing him about going for the Bristol Rovers gig which he definitely would have been interested in had they had they gone for it? Well, that's it. I mean, he's quite categorical uh, in that interview, saying no, they didn't contact me. No, no but he 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 wanted them to. He's, yeah, he's yeah. A, I watched the Bristol game with him in the afternoon, and he was out of his seat, going going crazy. He's a proper supporter. But but what he did let slip that day was that he'd he'd um, he'd had a message from the Grimsby chairman, and that he was going to go and have a chat to Grimsby. Now, this was mid December, so all I'll say is that it's not a decision he has rushed into. I think that he's taken a long time to get his head around a potential move. It's a long way away from where he's from, of course. And he wanted to get to know the club, the chairman and everything involved beforehand. So he's done his due diligence on Grimsby. So, yeah, good luck to him. Yeah, wish him well. Is the flip side of that then what uh, Orient have done with Ross Sembleton? They've done their due diligence, as it as it were, on, on him. They've waited to get all the structure right in the club. Well, I don't think so, because... He was the head coach early part of the season. He was certainly in in charge. He was the the number one and and, and stepped down. That's so, what I mean. They've they've got someone they know. Why he's, did he step down? Can interview. you remember? They were was, on a was really just poor, a run? poor run of results, mm-hmm. and he didn't feel that it was for, for him. He wanted to revert back to his coaching role. Mm-hmm. It's listen. Let's no getting away mm-hmm. from it. It's been a little bit odd, and when you look at it from the outside, again, I know a lot of the individuals that are involved here. Um, good people. Got a lot of time for Martin Ling. Played played for him and I know Ross relatively well uh, also but to try and woo a prospective manager from outside who's got to work with Ross and uh, the remaining backroom staff is, is difficult and they've tried it once and it didn't work so the only way that really they could have continued was to Ross maybe to step down or for him to, to, to have another go because they haven't found anyone suitable. So, so what, knowing him as you do then, what's changed from that, that point back in September when he said he didn't have that burning desire to be the manager? I don't think it's probably a case of him not having a burning desire. I just think that he was happy in his role and for the time being he sees himself better suited to being a first-team coach with someone at the helm. Do you um, think he's starting to doubt himself because of the results, because of his inexperience as a manager? And at the first sort of sign of trouble, he thought, do you know what, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. And 
and and now he's had time to reflect on it, maybe he regrets what he said there, and it's a case of, no, I, I can do this. I know I can do this. I've seen someone else come in yeah. who doesn't do it as well as I did it. I, I'm, I'm more confident. I don't but we know. don't know. We yeah. don't know if there's yeah. any reluctance mm-hmm. on Ross's part now that he's been given the top job once more. Mm. Um, there's nothing wrong with saying that I want to be a number two. There's nothing wrong with saying I want to be a number two for um, the, the, the long term. No, not at all, but it seems strange that they've had this period, no one's been appointed, they haven't been able to find anyone, and yet they're still kind of in the same situation mm. when the results have been dreadful. I mm. think it's one win in, in, in 14. Um, they need to work defensively. I think that's what they've been doing during this little break that they've had. They've brought in Lawrence Figaro, goalkeeper that I know well from Swindon, very talented boy. They needed a goalkeeper desperately, I felt. Um, he will make a difference, Uh but I've been saying this for a number of years about him. He's a brilliant talent, but you know it's the the stuff that comes with it. If he can be a great professional as well, then they've got themselves a a really good player. So there. Well, I think it's well publicised that there's been quite high profile fallings know, out. Yeah. He paid a fine, a thousand pound fine in pennies, didn't he, at Swindon <laughs> once upon a time? So he's he's I a character. Was, I've always wanted to walk into a shop and pay for something in pennies. That's awesome. Just the, yeah. when they really quite annoy heavy, you. I'd imagine. I don't know if it was a thousand pound, but it was certainly a lot, and um, that was certainly a test in time. For I think it was Mark Cooper that was in charge uh, during that period. But no, the, the results are, are really bad. I saw they won four 0 at Grimsby, nineteenth of October, taking just seven points from the subsequent eleven games, and haven't won at home since the twelfth of October against Walsall, the game that I was at. So the results are really bad. They need to do some business in in January. And listen, I wish Ross. Well, because he's clearly a very switched-on coach. Uh, he's got decent experience now, considering he was at Swindon prior to the success in the, the National League with Orient. But they need some help there, and hopefully he'll get some players in in January and they'll have a better second half of the season. 50 quid, so 5,000 one piece. Well, did I say a grand? Blimey. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe you were just talking about how many pennies you it was. You used to your own fines, you because yeah. you, you were such a high roller. I think I got fined £200 once. Um, Nicky Forster, I believe, was in charge pounds. of the I got two weeks' fines. once. Yeah, I had to ring the... Um, what was £200 for? I was late for training. I was on the A12 when I was at Ipswich, mm-hmm. and bad crash. And I phoned the, the fizz, and I said, like, I've stayed in London tonight. Last night, I'm, I'm banging trouble. I'm not, I don't even think I'm going to make training. And he was stood next to Joe Royal, I think, while I was having that conversation, oh, or Jim Magilton, no, no, the manager yeah. at the time. So he's like, you're done for. So I actually ran out onto the training pitch. Training had finished. There was a few of the strikers milling around about, about to do a bit of shooting. And I hand Fozzie his 200 quid there just before I had my first strike of the morning. <laughs> <laughs> what was yours for? Two-week fine. Yeah. I was getting sent off. Yeah, 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 rightly so. Let's grab some quick odds from Abby on that one. Then Orient up against Grimsby. So for Orient to win, they won this uh, reverse fixture four nil. So if you fancy them to win again, it's uh, six to five. If you fancy the draw, it's twelve to five. And for Grimsby, nine to four. Thank you, Abby. Joe Criddy from William Hill will be back next week. We have reached our inevitable conclusion. We could talk more, but Abby will probably cut us off. However, however, a couple of quick fire questions if you're up for it, boys. Drew says, with Bristol City's... These aren't just random questions. It's people that have got in touch via the Totally Football Show. Uh, with Bristol City's streaky form amid rumours that he lost the dressing room, resulting in our recent slide down the table, is Lee Johnson still the best man to take the club to the next level? I hate the fact that I've just said you've got to be brief on that one. I think so. I still, I still rate him. I don't think he's an easy manager to work with. I don't think 
all of his players love him. And I think that that's partly why he's so streaky. When 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 they're flying, that, that there's a wave behind the manager. But when things go wrong, and you start losing. I think one or two of the players always seem to be fed up with Lee Johnson, which doesn't help the situation. I, I'm confident they'll turn it around. He seems to be well in with the chairman, doesn't mm-hmm. he? They seem to have a good relationship. Um, for me. I think get them a striker in this window, maybe a midfield enforcer as well as the two players they need, persevere till the summer. But I certainly wouldn't have probably any... I wouldn't have too much disagreement with Bristol City supporters if they wanted a change in the summer, if they weren't to make the playoffs this year. I think he's been given and he's been afforded enough time probably mm. if you wait until the summer. Give it him to the summer. And quick one from Michael. Leeds were in this position last season. Few injuries in midfield currently. Heavy a, resi- a reliance on Bamford. Do you think they'll strengthen in January? Do you think they'll finish it off this time round? They have to strengthen. And Ketia needs replacing. And, uh, yeah, just need to beef up that bench. I've said it throughout the season so far. We saw what they were all about in the first half at Emirates Stadium. It was just sensational. It really was. That, that was. that was top half Premier League football. Um, they, they are more than good enough to go up, but, but they have to learn from what went wrong last year. Yeah, I think, think they go up. Def- desperately need a striker. Be interesting to see what type they go for. I think Tony would be a decent punt, that type of player from Peterborough. Lyle Taylor, I think, would be kind of a, a mirror image of what they get from Bamford in terms of occupying um, centre-halves, doing a bit of everything. I'd go for that type over a, a player who can play on the shoulder and impact games. I think they probably need an extra centre-half as well. I don't think he'll probably do that because we know that <laughs> he's maybe a little bit stubborn and maybe another forward player that could play wide. If they could get two of those three... I think they get the job uh, done this year. If they don't show ambition this month, then the fans have an absolute right to really get on the back of the Leeds board. We can all see that that close, all it needs is a bit of speculate, you know, to speculate a bit of cash this month. Pay over the odds for the right player because they will help you go up. Speculate, accumulate. Those are the final words of Sam and of Adrian and of you. Keep your thoughts coming at the Totally Show. But let's leave the final, final word, well, song to Ian Holloway. Until next time... We're all off to watch Mary Poppins. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down <laughs> in the most delightful way. It's brilliant. I just love it. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Hello there, football fan. My name's Lindsay Hooper and I'm here to tell you about another podcast that just might catch your interest. It's called the Offside Rule WSL Edition and every week it's me and Kate Borsay talking to a load of former and current footballers plus those in the know talk about what's going on in the world of women's football. So if you love your football and want something a little different, then give us a try. It's the Offside Rule WSL Edition, available right now, wherever you're listening to this podcast. The Offside Rule WSL Edition, because women's football is for life, not just for every World Cup. Muddy Knees Media.